1: Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of the Locked Down Podcast with Kayla Williams and Taylor Parsons. Cybersecurity encompasses so many facets of business risk. Wrapping your head around it can be overwhelming and stressful. Join us to learn how to tie cybersecurity strategy to overall corporate objectives and best business practices, while gaining an understanding of technical and non-technical approaches to security and privacy, regardless of tenure in the field. Knowledge is power. Now more than ever.
0: listening to the Lockdown Podcast with Kayla and Taylor, the show that helps you make sense of all things security, tying cybersecurity strategy to overall corporate objectives and best business practices for people who love all things technical and all things risk-related. I am so excited for today because we are talking about governance, risk, and compliance, a topic that has become front and center over the last few years, but still eludes. So many people, and I'm excited because I have one of my favorite people here, <laughs> Sonal Agrawal from Sprinkler, is here to talk to us about GRC. But um, I would allow myself to take a step back for a second and, and allow you to introduce yourself, please.
2: Sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Sonal. I'm I'm a director of GRC at Sprinkler. Uh, I've been with that company for about um, now three years. Sorry, two years. Um, And, and before that I was in GRC with Kayla at log me in and yeah, we're just continuing on.
3: That's amazing. I am so glad to be able to sit on the podcast with the both of you, just because as we had talked about, I am not a GRC person at this point. I'm working on understanding GRC better. But Sonal, I would love to understand, how long have you been in GRC? What types of industries have you been in? What's been your experience with GRC up to this point?
2: Sure. So I actually started my career at Deloitte, where I was at in audit. So I was doing IT audit. This is when IT audit was completely new it was all being developed as I was progressing. And I was with Deloitte for about five years. And then after that, I went on working with different mortgage companies. I was living in DC at the time. So it was Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, all of those. And they were going through their own little crisis at that time with the with the housing crisis. Um, so it got very interesting. and I, But I did IT audit there. Then I moved to California and I was in in IT Audit in another mortgage company in California. And that's when I got more introduced to GRC through one of the GRC directors. And then since then, they basically convinced me to join the GRC program. So it's been about eight years, I would say, in the GRC industry. Uh, But I would say the audit profession in IT Audit was a good transition into GRC because you're basically going from being testing and giving findings to going in and helping people make fix issues beforehand and going from being hated to not being hated as much.
0: Oh, yeah, I was gonna say definitely <laughs> still definitely hated. Yeah, not as but much. <laughs> yeah. it's funny I did the same track. I did the financial services auditing and then getting into mortgages. I was doing an external internal auditing. So they would hire us to come <laughs> in and be their internal auditors at small banks and credit unions here in Massachusetts. So I did this I did the exact same trajectory. Right. Okay. Yeah. Great.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I would GRC I've done mostly in the software industry. So log me in and sprinkler is all software. But yeah, just like Kayla said, when you're in like external, you get on different clients, different types of clients.
3: That's amazing. So what's interesting to me though is you both have finance financial backgrounds, mortgage, financial services type of background, and Sono, you were doing IT audit and kind of transitioned into a GRC. How, how does one really establish a, a GRC program, or how does one really transition from audit-based behaviors to having a, a functioning GRC team and organization within a company?
2: Yeah, so it. If- As an individual, so going from uh, transitioning from audit to uh, GRC, it's quite seamless, I would say. The only thing is you're in now, when you're in audit, you're there to give out findings and issues. You test something, you say, this is not working. And then you go away and then you come back and test it and you find nothing. On the GRC side, it's quite interesting because now you're helping solve the issues and you're in the midst. And that's actually hard because you pretty much have a pile of issues and you're saying, okay, now how do I resolve this in the organization, which is then you have to talk to several people and it's problem solved. So you have to put on a, you have to actually step up your game a little bit because you're actually trying to, you're actually trying to solve a problem versus just give a problem and walk away. But when, so if people are interested in doing that, and if people like doing that, it's definitely easy, easier, but it does take some transition time.
0: And yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I would, I think you're 100% right. It's more of a partnership when you're in GRC. Yeah. You're partnering with the business to understand their needs instead of just being like, you said you do A, B, and C. You're only doing A, C, and D all of a sudden pops up. That's a problem. And you're actually working better with them in, instead of blaming and shaming yeah. when you're in the audit world. So I think you're right, 100%. Yeah, exactly.
2: And then in terms of setting up a GRC program, Kayla did it, and I think I just followed suit at, at uh, this current company. But you want to look for, it's basically trying to find that similar kind of, you want to find the right talent. So I do look at people who've had auditing experience, but then it's also how, what can you do more than just sit and audit? And how do you interact with people? and how interested are you because you really want that interest factor as well like how motivated and are you to sit and problem solve because you're most you're never going to know everything and so you'll have to figure a lot of things out so
3: can, can you tell my wife that
0: <laughs> no
3: no oh, okay <laughs> so it doesn't extend past grc got it Kayla, obviously, we've talked a lot about your experience. What's been your approach to building that program or really making sure that it's established within organizations and has longevity?
0: You have to understand where your company is going. If you have a company. So when I went into LogMe and now GoTo, they were already a publicly traded company. GDPR had just happened. Like, it just, and we were we actually worked on that program with, with the legal counsel and the Oh, there were 23 products in the portfolio at that time. I don't realize it's if you realize how big it was when you look back, it was massive. And you have to understand what they want to do. So when I joined, there was no talk of going private, which they ended up doing at the time. But we we're like, okay, we're a publicly traded global company that has to adhere to global privacy laws, and CCPA was becoming a thing. So we knew we had to establish something that would be able to pivot, which if you haven't listened to us before, pivot's my favorite word, because you have to be able to be flexible and move around. And that's really what GRC enables an industry to do, uh, a company to do. And there were a lot of things, I think, that we learned along the way about what we needed as a team. So I think we started with, it was three compliance when I joined, right? Mm-hmm. You and two others. Yes. Yes. And we expanded into risk, risk, technical privacy. privacy, and then like a regulatory compliance manager and then an intern. I think we ended up with eight or nine people on our team at, yeah. at, at, towards the end of my tenure when I left. And just being able to know what industry you're in, where you're going and being plugged into your CISO and what they're like, what do they know? Because they hear all the things first. And obviously they can't always tell you what's exactly happening, but there's there's little clues and, and things along the way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think
2: yeah definitely, I agree. I think like a lot of it customers also guide where you should be going because a lot of times they they'll ask for certain things. A lot of it is usually with a compliance uh, standpoint. Mm-hmm. so that guides a lot of, okay, and now I need this compliance with that compliance, but then but then once you have that, then you start going into more the
0: risk management, which gets
2: even more interesting. So.
0: Yeah, and I think for what I've learned is that when you think governance, risk and compliance, GRC. R is the biggest part of your program because that drives what outcomes you're going to have and helps you to meet your compliance needs. And then you get provide transparency upstream for the governance.
3: So would it be little G big R little C? Is I mean, that, that how
0: that would be a really ugly logo, but yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so it, it's really interesting that, that you guys talk about that and you talk about risk and obviously governance of, customer's governance of compliance itself, compliance frameworks, risk registers, all of these things. But is there, like when you start talking about building GRC or coming into GRC, is there a standard way that you should set your program up or is there a standard way it should operate based on whether it's the industry that you're in or the frameworks that you're supposed to abide by. Like, how does one go about standing up a a GRC function and what standards should they follow when trying to do?
2: Yeah, I think a lot, we were saying risk is very important, but I think a lot of the initial, when you start, the C is what is driving a lot of the initial ask. So when I first came to Sprinkler it was like, oh, these are the compliance programs we have to do because of customers and this and that, right? So you're pretty much, okay, I better do this. And that's the first thing. But then as you're uh, working on those compliances, then you're building the governance part of it just so you can meet those controls. You have to have some governance just to give some guardrails and then be able to satisfy those controls. But then as you're having all these conversations, all the risks start popping up and then you pretty much are in the middle of risk management. But the risk management is what drives a lot of the strategic initiatives, in my opinion, because they're usually in spaces where there is no process, or there's no owner, or it's completely broken, and nobody wants to go there. (laughs) And the risk conversations is where, which takes up a lot of time. But actually, when you finish it, Or when you're in the midst of it, you realize, oh, wow, it it had such a big impact compared to like compliance, little things like, oh, you need to fix this password setting or you need to have this little approval in place and things like that. Those are all important,
0: but not as much as like the risk part of it. Yeah, 100% agree with that, especially where we know that compliance doesn't always necessarily equal security. And what I know that's a shocker for everyone. I know, especially when yeah. someone like me can admit it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You try
2: not to admit it, but then you have to, because it's like, ah, eh, eh, it's not. Yeah.
0: There's, there's a lot out there right now. Like the technology is just moving too fast and there are enhancements and new tools and new vendors and everything like that. And trying to, compliance just can't keep up trying to, it doesn't work. And sometimes you have to have, Mitigating controls, uh, I think is a word that we would use, but processes to say, like this regulation or law is saying I have to do X, but I know that this is better over here, this Y or Z or combination thereof. So you say, okay, this is how I'm meeting this control. You have have to document it and demonstrate that it's actually above and beyond. You're meeting the bare minimums and then... That tends to to help, but it takes a lot of, of. What was it that Val used to say? Hearts and minds, like the hearts yeah. and minds campaign. Yeah, yeah.
3: That's very interesting. So it almost sounds like that it ebbs and flows in GRC, and what's taking priority and what's taking precedence. So you said when you were starting, it's almost like the C is the capital letter, and the the R and the G come behind it a little bit, and that kind of. It gets me thinking like process mapping, process flow, which leads into decision making and decision making is impacted by trends and metrics. Um, And when we start talking about trends, you start talking about market fit, market viability, sustainment, customer retention, all of those things. But when we talk about when we talk about programs, we never really talk about like the trends of programs or, or the trends and growth of programs. So what are some of the trends that you see around GRC? Do you see increasing expertise in the area? Do you see, uh, because I, I know for me, based on my background, be spending a lot of time in like endpoint and digital risk, GRC was never really something that they got brought up a lot. It was never really a, a big topic of conversation, but I would say last Two three years of my career. It's hey, do you have a risk register for this? Hey, did you make sure that this change isn't going to impact this framework?
0: That's how long you've known me for. Uh,
3: coincidence. <laughs> Astonishing. <laughs>
0: Whatever, I taught you something, so it's fine. Yeah. Take, when.
3: <laughs> I at least know how to spell risk register now, so that's good. Uh, so yeah, do you see like? growing trends of this program and this expertise in this area? Or or do you think potentially maybe it's just a, I, Kayla and I talked about this on, on one of the episodes, but do you think it's like a short-term fad of the next hot acronym? Or do you really see that this is going to continue to grow and, and continue to blossom?
2: Yeah, in my opinion, I just, I feel like the my work is just increasing. There's just a lot happening every day. There's more and more. There's a lot of compliances that are coming from different countries and different regions. So that's the C part, which always, like I said, be, is, is, is like, okay, the customer wants this today, can you have a certificate to us by today, uh, right? So then you have to work on that and then set the expectations, like this is not gonna happen today, right? But that kind of drives, a, like, then you you do have to put some basic controls in place to even get that certificate, right? But uh, like you said, you you mentioned risk register quite a few times. That I'm seeing as an ask in pretty much every questionnaire or uh, even audits. And when I first created this risk register, I would say it was almost like it was just to fill in the risks. And it wasn't like a true risk register. But then... When you actually start, okay, now I'm done with the checklist part of the risk register, but let's actually talk about risks and get through this. Then it gets really interesting and that's where you do see a lot of change being driven. And it's it, and I see it's not just me saying, Oh, risk risk is so important. I actually see other teams coming to me and saying, Hey, this is a risk that I want to report. And can we can we get this done? Can we get this resolved? And so there are people and they're they're not they're even talking about risks in their own department, but also risks in other departments in the company saying, hey, I want this. So I would say like a lot of trending is shifting towards risk. And, and I do find that it's harder to find risk management professionals. Like I had a hard time recruiting for that because it is it's growing and there's not enough people to do that work. Compliance is slightly easier. I would say even like vendor risk management is something that is picking up a lot because we're all dependent on vendors at this point.
3: I that. Kayla, obviously we know that uh, you continue to believe that GRC is just going to grow and grow. And, and I don't know that I'd necessarily disagree. I think that for me, as we continue to look at security evolution and we, we continue to understand developing threat landscapes, we do have to be held accountable for how are we responding? What processes are we putting in place? Are we ensuring that the processes we're putting in place are going to match, you know, our overarching security compliance framework. Right? So I think it's I definitely think it's growing, but I want it to grow the the right way. I, I don't want just to flood a, a lot of people into the into a program that we don't give value out of anymore, kind of like antivirus signatures. That was the boom for so long. Yeah. Static analysis of malware and now it's like all right, that, that worked for a little bit. Now, not so much.
0: Yeah, and I think because there's always, because there's always going there to be an increase in the threats that are found. So you might maybe have an external pen test or an external threat assessment done. And oh my gosh, I need someone who can actually manage some of these things. You have new assets that are being spun up, spun down, new vendors. You can't be a one-stop shop, you, in, you, but you can't always hire expertise in every area either. But if you have the discipline of GRC, it's flexible. And you learn that if you have that core understanding of what it takes to do a risk assessment or to understand a process flow, it is easy to pick it up again. I'm not an expert in like Kubernetes, but I could go in and assess if, and, and, and I'm sure you, you feel the same way with your role. If you were told to do something, you have those basic skills that you can just go in and build off of. And, and Google is your best friend always, or sorry, insert browser name here is always your best friend to do the, those searches and, and understand those things as well. So,
2: yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think Kayla and I were just talking, there's so many problems that get thrown or concepts and things that come at you every day i wake up and five things new things (laughs) and then yeah (laughs) so that's five like maybe on a good day but then you have to be like okay now where should i focus but then when you actually you have to drill down into each of them and be like okay what is the end like how bad is this and then you'll have to look at the risk again the, the impact or the likelihood and then say okay you know what it sounded bad but you know what it's only affecting a little bit and uh, it's not that bad or it it sounded really small and actually you know what it's it's a big problem so then you have to prioritize that way a little bit that's what i have to do a lot so yeah, Same.
3: yeah. i love that and it's very interesting we've talked about threat landscapes we've talked about challenges we we've talked about what's important in a grc program and how to sustain it long term i guess the last remaining question especially for those companies that don't have established programs or maybe don't have maturity in their security program where do you start as a leader or as a practitioner as an implementer as someone who's responsible at the end of the day, where do you start and how do you start?
2: I can just go with how I did it. I don't know if it's the best way, but I say I started with establishing some of those policies and standards first just to be like, okay, you know what? It's the wild, wild west. Let's like put some gates in a little bit, right? And you don't have to go crazy with it. You just start with the basics and then maybe don't even make it so specific just so you can get through the day. And then once you have that, then you have to then go deeper. Then you start doing your compliance piece and get those certifications. But then the risk management will help you with um, maturing, right? It's actually going to put some meat and some, some more push in towards what you're doing. So
3: Some sustenance on the bone exactly yeah
2: that's when people will actually make it like they actually get serious they actually start having more conversations rather than compliance they see it as you know what can you just get the certificate for us and okay. here's the setting and that's it
0: yeah but it sells trust sells and you can get an independent audit to come in and get yep. a certificate or an audit clean audit report or insert next thing here it builds trust and trust in the market is what you want but i have a quick question for you sonal who does your org report into?
2: We have a board. So my org, okay. Yeah. So from my level, we have, we have the CISO. So GRC function reports to the chief security officer, information security officer who reports to legal. And so we're separate from
0: the So I report into legal as well from a CISO org. And prior to that, it was CIO, CTO, and then at log me in, it was CIO, CTO, CEO, like that way. And I find it to be a lot easier because when you're starting a program, if you don't report into the legal team, partnering with them to understand that compliance and regulatory standpoint. Uh, starting ground, but also your like not just compliance with those things, but compliance with contracts, as, as someone mentioned before. What have you already committed yourself to? Because there's commitments that have been made by your sales team, put in writing that no one's told anybody else about. And then there's that, that annual due diligence from a customer that says, Hey, you said you're going to have a PCI, SAQD, 400 controls that no one told you about. So, <laughs> so Making sure, having the close partnership with legal, I think comes in handy. And as you mentioned, Taylor, the ebbing and flowing or pivoting that's needed to maintain a program, that's going to be your easiest way in understanding what's happening in the market. Your customers, what trends are they leaning towards will help you be able to staff your team to cope. Budget season is upon us, right? Make sure you're looking through. Do you need a privacy? Are you expanding? Are you in Europe and in America? And all of a sudden you're going to go open up in in Singapore or Tokyo and have brand new privacy laws. What about the government? The US government's very different from the Australian government as Sonal and I found out. (laughs) It's very different requirements. And I think that would be my advice is like sit with the legal team and and they have all the dirt. They know.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So I know obviously we're coming up one time. I've absolutely enjoyed moderating some of these questions to the two GRC experts that I now know really before we wrap up and before we close it out, I really want a hot take. I I want a GRC hot take. I've there's gotta be one, right? There has to be at least one hot take. Mm.
0: That's a good one. Oh, I don't know. I would say it's in my opinion, it's inevitable. If you're a SaaS company, you are and any company because you have data. Every company has data. So if you don't have an internal audit team, which most don't, they're not big enough to, or they're not regulated and don't need one, you don't have enterprise risk, you need GRC. You need someone to have those that skill set. It's inevitable. And... It drives trust and value in the marketplace, whether you want to look at it as just a cost center or not. It tends to sit under the, the CISO org. It doesn't have to. It can sit under operations somewhere and be enterprise wide versus just security wide. Obviously, that's going to be more costly eventually, but whatever, right? At the, to each their own. It's not going anywhere. So buckle up for the ride. You're going to find out a lot of things that you don't want to hear, but you have to hear. So that you can address it in in the days of CYA, especially right now with the SCC, with Uber and all the changes that are coming, you need to look under the hood, So just do it. That's my hot take. Do you have (laughs) one?
2: No, I think you summed it up really well. I think, yeah, like people is, you have to have the right people. I think it's the partnership, right? Creating the partnerships with the people. That you're working with on a day-to-day basis. I would say initially when I came in, people had a little misconception of what GRC even is, right? It's, oh, you, you're here to just get us certificates. And But then once you partner with them and talk and have the conversations, they actually see the value and um, then they'll come to you more than you go to them. And sometimes you're like, okay, I created a problem. There's too much, uh, too many problems. And But it's like, you actually end up seeing a lot more when people are coming to you. Otherwise it's all just investigations and going to people and saying, you need to do this and you need to do that. So,
3: yeah. So if that is your all's hot take, I will take that. But one of the key points to you that you said is actually what leads me to my hot take. And that is, I think that the understanding or fundamentals of GRC should be covered under security awareness training annually because you always have new employees, things change, and if you don't fundamentally understand the process and why you're going through it, you're never going to really buy in. So if we can create that security-aware culture or that security-centric culture and understand the fundamental application of what GRC is attempting to do, I think... Like you say, you get better buy-in, you you develop more trust, and I think trust comes from an understanding processes and procedures and why you're doing certain things. Secure coding isn't always fun, but it's key to business success at this point. Those are, those. that's my hot take. It should be included in annual security awareness training. I well,
0: disagree, yeah? That's great. great. That's okay. <laughs> awesome, thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
3: I love it. Sonal, I won't be the first one. to thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Your insights are as amazing as Kayla promised that they would be. So I really appreciate your time today. And I will let the two of you close us out. And we will see everyone on the next episode of Lockdown with Kayla and Taylor. Thank you. Taylor.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Sonal. Appreciate your time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Locked Down Podcast with Kayla Williams and Taylor Parsons, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to the ITSP Magazine YouTube channel, and share the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand to our conversations and our audience, visit ITSBmagazine.com to learn how to sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.